0: As an industry, we've made it our business to learn about games, how they work, about their resonance, and their successes or failures. But There's a human side to the industry as well. My name is Paul James and welcome to Dev Diary, a series that explores and celebrates the incredible feats of the people behind the games as we dive into their stories, the highs, the lows, and everywhere in between. In this episode, I'm joined by Dean Longmore, current game and product designer at Chaos Theory Games. So join us as we explore his journey. So today I'm joined by Dean. How are you?
1: I'm well today. It's good to be here.
0: Hey, good to have you on. We've been we've been back and forth a little bit over the course of the last few months. For the most part, the delay is all on me. So sorry to get sorry to keep you kind of hanging along the way, but uh, it, it's been good to get this one together because yeah, we've been we've been chatting about it a little while. A friend of the show, Matt Houston, helped link the two of us in the first place, and it's, it's yeah great to have you on board. So thank you very much for for, for joining the show.
1: Yeah, no, happy to be here. Um... Uh, a little bit surprised that Matt remembered me, given the the state that I think, maybe we both were the night that we met. But um, oh really? <laughs> yeah, glad that he's connected. This.
0: Uh, I'm sure he'll enjoy just hearing that brief little recount there as well. So, um, and maybe we'll pick his brain to see how much he, in fact, remembers as well beyond just your name. Um, but this is Dev Diary, a series where we talk to developers and throughout throughout the industry, they share their stories, their experiences, and the journey that has led to this current point in time. Steve, before we get to your career in in the industry and various different facets of the industry, I'd love to rewind to a point before that, a point where you might have been first introduced to games. Do you recall what the first game was that you, you played or some of the first games were that you played?
1: I recall, I'll tell you what I recall. I recall one day waking up and there being an Atari 2600 in my house. Oh, Okay. Dad, I can only assume, must have came home with it. I don't remember the history of it. I don't know why the hell my dad, who had like never really shown, um, you know, any interest in games or anything like that up, that, up until that point, um, turned up with an Atari 2600. Uh, Is and I find it for,
0: for dad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I, I can tell it didn't matter who it was for, but I got plenty of use out of that. Nice. Um, but yeah, so so that was probably my first introduction to games, at least that I can remember. Um, probably really pivotal moments was when we also managed to get our first um, PC, which introduced me to, I don't know, a little game that some people might have heard of, Doom. Oh, yeah, which, of course. Which um, had some, yeah, yeah, really solid level editing tools um, for the time. And, yeah, I feel like that was kind of, I don't know if I had this urge to create or want to make games or anything like that, or how I even stumbled into, you know, modding um, and making levels for Doom. But I think that's well and truly where I kind of built a bit of that passion um, and cut my teeth on on a bit of level design and um, yeah, making how old, games.
0: How old would you have been then when you first kind of started dabbling with the level editor of Doom? And Did you I do that no immediately idea. or was it kind of play Doom and then you came back to level editor sometime down the line?
1: Um, I think it was fairly immediate. Um, yeah. I would have been maybe 12 or 13, something like this. Um, Starting early. Starting early, yeah. Well, I mean, not compared to today. Like the way well, it's great. Yeah. People people throw shade on it, but things like Roblox and Minecraft, I think these are these are amazing, wonderful games and tools that like let young people not just play and consume media, actually let them um, have a chance to create, create. Um, which is which is really wonderful. And I guess yeah, Doom for me was um, yeah my Minecraft um, back in the day. So I don't know. You talk about violent games, but at least in that regard, um, we yeah, moved this... into a more wholesome direction.
0: Uh, uh fundamental difference between the the Roblox and Minecraft and doom but there, there's a there is a through line there still somewhere in terms of the creation side of things just exactly look exactly. at it through a different lens I guess that was the time back then what can we say yeah. um, were there any other games that, or franchises even genres that you really kind of attach yourself to as you continue to grow up beyond that I mean you obviously mentioned doom and you messed around with the level editor does that mean that first-person shooters kind of persisted for a little while or was there I'm
1: no, I think um, I moved into um, like PlayStation and console games soon after. Um, so I know that Final Fantasy VII um, had a big influence on me. That's the I think the first big game that I really got into. Um, I remember what was it? Oh, I wish we could go back to these days where you'd have like official PlayStation magazine. Oh, the glory um, days! And subscribe for a year and you know get a get a platinum game. Um, so I'm asking the kids at school who are a few few years older than me. Okay, here are the four games that I get to pick from. Which one should I get when I get my subscription? You know, nice. big exciting moment. And when you're younger as well, um, you're not buying a game every week. So you know, you've really got to make your make your right decisions. Yeah, getting um, those freebies push... is a huge deal. Oh, exactly right, exactly right. You know, it's you like don't the days get of that finding Age
0: of Empires in your Nutri-Grain. Yeah, <laughs> I've got. that. Sorry thing. for anyone that's outside of Australia has no idea what I'm talking about there, but it was a cereal. And they gave you video games in Age of Empires. Was it Age of Empires 1 or 2? Uh, good question. I feel like it might have been 1.
1: I feel like it was 1, yeah.
0: They, they gave it away with your cereal. It was awesome. Yeah, much better than a piece of plastic. Yeah. But, uh, so, obviously, Final Fantasy 7 was a big deal then. A bit of an eye-opener of sorts.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, just, I think, a revelation of like the scope of, of what games can be. Um, and also, for its time, like graphically, um, quite impressive. Um, yeah, very much so. Um, but as far as uh, genres or through line, um interesting question. I don't, I don't really feel like um, there's there's anything that's carried me through. I know that I like to experience a lot of different things, uh, and I think that's probably the way that I've approached games as well. Um, no, give me something new and novel, and I'm happy to take a look.
0: No, that's awesome. Um, I mean, having a diverse palette is is great, not just in uh, game consumption or creation, but a whole host of different walks of life. So. I don't don't blame you whatsoever for kind of looking to broaden your horizons and and explore other other genres, other unexplored genres even. Um it's a really fascinating sort of approach. So that's awesome. Was there a game and I obviously you've touched on Doom a little bit and you uh, you had dabbled in a little bit of the level editor there. Was there a game or maybe it was Doom even that maybe inspired the pursuit to get into game creation at all? Or was it more like a collection of experiences over the over the, the years?
1: Yeah, I think a collection of experiences. I mean, well, and truly, Doom was that pivotal moment where I realized that you can create things and, you know, I'm spending more time and having more fun um, with the editor and with the tools than I was with the with the game itself. It's kind of funny to think about how impactful Doom has been on my life and, you know, the direction my career has gone and things like that. Uh, but realizing um, up until recently, I'd never actually finished um either doom or doom probably. 2 yeah <laughs> probably spent thousands of hours with these games um but never, yeah, not the campaign. never just playing them yeah um no the 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 moment for me when it so i was by the time that i um started looking for jobs in the industry and and things like that i was already making little games and um, just hacking around and trying to teach myself um programming um you know high school now, now I think things are a bit more developed. Um, but back then, it was oh, kind of sure. the beginning of um, some of the IT courses and things like that. So being put in touch with new tools and even the internet. Now, today, if you go, how do I make a game? You just type that into Google, and, and you know you've got you've got all these other great suggestions. Um, it wasn't until I happened to you know be at a school that had a, a computer lab, so we had an IT class, and they went, okay, here's a way to make programs. Uh, and I went, okay, great, I can take that. So the knowledge wasn't out there until some teacher yeah. came and, in, in a sense, Open put it on my eyes. lap. Yeah. Um, but there was a yeah point soon after um, finishing high school where, you know, dad kind of tapped me on the shoulder and said, well, what are you going to do with your life? <laughs> um, and I went, well, I've got no idea. But, like, oh, hey, I really like messing around and trying to make little things and, you know, trying to find a game I like and copy it and rebuild it and this and that. I wonder if, like... You know, who makes games? I wonder if this is a job. Is this a career? Is this something I can do? Uh, and yeah, and that was the, the the kind of wake up moment where I went, well, I've got to do something in my life. I like doing this. Let's, let's see if that's the thing that I can do.
0: Did you have that sort of moment anywhere along the way? Like I think a lot of people out here in Australia did for many years. Um, we thought, oh, no, games are this thing that's created in America or Japan or whatever. like we don't have we don't have an industry here. Did you kind of have that sort of, I guess, moment of doubt or maybe even just, you know, naivety, I guess, at the end of the day, not really knowing what was about locally? Did you kind of face that and have to overcome that at some point?
1: Yeah, well and truly, um, it, naivety is certainly the right word. I, I wasn't even thinking about the, you know, games are not made here and, oh, we're a small island in the middle of nowhere and this or a big island, but small population yeah. and um, and all of that. I uh, wasn't even thinking on that level, but certainly... Um, immediately realised that, hey, there's not so much opportunity. Um, you know, there's there's not that many studios uh, making games, not that many in Australia. Um, geez, even though that was kind of the heyday of when we did have large studios. Yeah, we had um, you know, Chrome and good.
0: those guys at full full flight, but obviously the crash um, had a bit to do with the state of uh, Chrome and several other studios over the, over that period there. So a bit of a shame and especially if, and I've heard a lot of stories from people on the show in the past where they've, they've been looking to get into the in- industry, at just that point where things went horribly r- wrong locally and you know, it'd be, it'd be scary for anyone who's maybe committed many years to, okay, I'm, I'm going to get into this thing and I've, maybe I've completed my studies and I'm ready to go and boom, it all just kind of, the options just disappear. Yeah. Um, that'd be, that'd be a scary sort of thing. I'd imagine.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and we want established
0: it. too, of course.
1: Yeah, um, not to not to spoil the story or get ahead, but um, yeah, so we're at uh, Team Bondi and we were probably right at the end of that wave. We were holding on um, towards the end, um, you know, of that crash, a few places sort of shutting down around us. Um, but yeah, so that was an interesting one too. You know, when, when uh, Team Bondi, we finished um, LA and I began we were working on. Um, and then stepping out into the world looking for the next job and going like, oh, all the other studios that... They're gone. You know, I was having a chat with 2K and oh, now 2K aren't doing anything anymore. And, um, so that was a the fun little shock to, to step out and realise that, yeah, opportunities had um, disappeared. The few so I guess,
0: early. yeah, I guess before we get to that point, the the post-Team uh, Bondi period, well, I guess we should probably focus on that. How, did that. how did that opportunity first actually emerge for you anyway? Because, yeah, I mean, um, this is a team working on a game for Rockstar and... <laughs> Like, that's not a, that's yeah. not a small deal. Um, no, no, it's
1: certainly especially not. Especially now, was, but even back then. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. And, um, yeah, I mean, back then that was just off the back of, um, it's, it's a funny story, like Grand Theft Auto had just come out, talking about games that kind of opened my eyes and, I don't know, blew my mind maybe. Grand Theft Auto was well and truly one of those Um, The moment that you step out of the apartment and you swing the door open and the door just opens and the world's there. There's no loading point between the inside and the outside. Even little things like that, just, um, uh, you know, I still remember the impact of that, the impact of opening a door. So, so that was um, pretty amazing. But I was living in Brisbane at the time Uh, and yeah, so, okay, well, what am I going to do with my life? You know, let's start looking for, for games jobs. Um, Let's just put out, you know, whatever I can. At the time I was working for a company doing technical documentation. Um, yep. and just a you know, a bit of admin and this or that. But at the very least get money, you know, okay,
0: money coming in the door.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I don't know, young person, you know, working in an office like that's the other thing. Like something it's a real through line of my career is thinking about um, what even if you're not making games, what are the things you're doing that helping improve those skills? Um, What are the ways that you're actually, you know, getting better? And you haven't stepped off that path of making games. You're, you know, you're still on it. You're just, um, you know, maybe not exactly where you want to be yet. Um, But so realizing like, okay, well, I want to make games. I want to be a game designer. Uh, I think I must have stumbled stumbled on that. Well, I'm better with, you know, ideas and levels and um, you're thinking about player experiences, it may be a bit more than the code. So game designer, right. That, those are two words in, in order that people understand. Um, what That's do game a designers do? Well, <laughs> they write documentation, they've got to communicate ideas. Um, so I was able to kind of look at the experience I didn't even realize I was collecting um, in, you know, learning to write some technical documentation. Uh, and also just, yeah, the simple thing of um, understanding how to work in an office. Um, You know, what is it to be professional? Sounds super obvious, but for for some young people or if you've never had that experience, um, you know, that in itself is definitely definitely valuable. So I, yeah, I put out my resume and, uh, well, yeah, the resume that I just kind of created with whatever little I had on there. um, Geez, it'd be fun to go back and find that. I put out my resume wherever I could. Uh, I think in Brisbane, the best I got was offers to, like, hey, come in and you can have some free slices of pizza if you want to test our games. Um, Thanks, but no thanks. Let me see what else I can do. Or the team Bondi down in Sydney were hiring. Yeah. Um, Team Bondi, uh, yeah, down in Sydney um, were hiring. Um, And, I don't know, liked my resume enough that they said, oh, we'll just come in and, um, you know, have a word. We'll see how it goes. Um, an interview, I guess. Um, yep. So I flew myself down from from Brisbane, again, speaking about being naive. I didn't think to mention, hey, I'm, you know, living a state away. Um, right, okay. Or didn't think to ask, you know, would you like to pay for that flight or anything like that? So I paid to fly myself down. Um, and yeah, had had an interview. I think, to be honest, that, you know, like many young people, I'm sure I was passionate. Uh, and the fact that I would paid for my own flight down, I think, kind of um showed that passion a little bit so i I'm, I'm incredibly lucky i think to have you know landed that opportunity talking about first jobs in the industry it's it's a pretty incredible place to yeah, yeah. to land um but also yeah quite privileged uh you know i did fly myself down and all this and that but not everyone can afford to you know scrounge up a few hundred dollars um for that yeah for um, sure. But i was lucky enough to be able to
0: and i mean to yeah as you said to kind of land your feet and get started in a studio that's working under Rockstar and on a what was be- quickly becoming a, a high-profile title that must be exciting for anyone dipping their toes in for the first time, especially going from, yeah, some Doom-level creation to
1: to this. Yeah, it's a bit of a, a bit of a jump. And it's funny mentioning the Rockstar. So that was all very hush-hush. No one knew about that at that point. Oh, yeah, okay. I think potentially, to be honest, the deal was maybe just coming together. Um, but so it was great being asked by um, Alex Carlyle, who was a uh, lead designer at the time. Uh, and he was interviewing me on my first interview. And he goes, okay, well, tell me, you know, what are your favorite games or this or that? And at that time, um, Grand Theft Auto 4 happened to be my favorite game. So what are your favorite games? Oh, Grand Theft Auto 4. And he gave me this look and sort of said, ah, oh, interesting, interesting, okay. So I think that kind of helped as well. That like, did oh, you then proceed actually... to pick
0: your brain as to, to how and why that was the case? Or did you just happen to say the right game to the right person? I think I just happened to say that, yeah, the right
1: game to the right person. I honestly don't even think... I knew that this was an open-world detective game. Yeah. To be completely honest, I think it was so, you know, hush-hush. It was a job um, to you. It was a potential job yeah. to you. And that was that was about it. Yeah, I think there might have been... At this point, there was a pre Oh, geez, I haven't thought about this stuff in a long time. There was a pre trailer. So, yeah, knew it was a detective game. Maybe it hadn't been revealed that it was open-world or any of that kind of stuff, like, publicly. So, yeah, so. But- wasn't sure what I was walking into. Certainly had no idea that they were working with Rockstar. Um, but, yeah, so to walk in and say, what's your favourite game? Oh, Grand Theft Auto. I oh, love that stuff Rockstar's doing. Um, just happened to be the right answer.
0: That's awesome. And then so you went on to design a few cases, including things like the, the Red Lipstick murder, for example, which was one that was, uh, I mean, that was presented to the media back in the day. So um, I guess that would have been a bit of a thrill for, I guess, the perception within the studio. And then at, by this point, Rockstar as well as we go, this level that you obviously had a, a big part in, um, we think this is the best example to show the world as to what this game actually is. I mean, without, I guess, showing something that's going to potentially spoil stories and those sort of things. Like, this best represents what we're trying to create here. Now, I'd imagine that must have been a massive thrill for you when the time came. Yeah, no, and, it, and it, it
1: certainly certainly was. Um, I believe, yeah, they took that to the Tribeca Film Festival. Oh, nice. So that's, um, that's kind of exciting. That's Maybe a big it, deal I too, yeah. Update my Twitter bio and say I've, yeah, I've been shown at Tribeca. Oh, absolutely! You,
0: and <clears throat> especially now that games are starting to pop up there; they've got their own category. You you were doing that way before the the Cana Bridge of Spirits in the of the world were doing it. So you're a trendsetter. Yeah, and I think even um
1: one you're that I'm really, really catch catch personally had no piece in this, but the one that I'm happy or maybe very proud about, as far as like LA Noir kind of leading the way on a few things. Obviously, a very cinematic game, far ahead of its time, especially with a lot of that facial technology yeah. that you know had to be invented. Um, and the game, you know, probably couldn't have couldn't have happened or existed the way that it did without that technology. But the the one that I that really tickles me is that we had a black and white filter. Um, so I don't know, a, a decade before Ghost of Tsushima Ghost came, of came along, Shima, and had yeah. the yeah, we we did it first.
0: Trendsetting all over the place there.
1: Yeah, I wish we, I wish we had the camera mode because we had uh, obviously really great debug tools. So you could fly around and have a look at stuff up close and take your screenshots so you can launch your bugs. Um, it would have been great to, to have, yeah, um, had someone put that camera mode in. Knowing now how much time people spend and how much love people put into you know taking photos of beautiful vistas and things in games.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, I've, I've spent more time in the last year doing that than I have any other any other time, and that is thanks to the likes of Ghost and. I guess uh, some recent recent stuff that I've been reviewing and those sort of things and I've just I I've fallen in love with those sort of modes and it just you were looking to do it 10 years earlier. <laughs> so the the time at Team Bondi, obviously there's been a little bit said about how how things did or didn't uh run. There's been some speculation, some documentation that's kind of popped out over the years what were your experiences at the studio at the time? I mean, obviously this is your first big proper gig. I'd imagine there's still a lot of excitement there for you. What, what was it like? was, uh, I don't know what you can and can't say. I'd imagine there might be some sort of things that you've got to be a little bit um, low key or maybe even completely silent on. So I'll I'll kind of let you take the wheel here in terms of what you can and can't say. But um, what, what was it like for you though? Like you've entered this studio. It's you're working on a very high profile game or eventually the world knew it to be a very high profile game supported by rockstar and, I guess there's, yeah, there's been some reports about how things kind of played out and obviously there was an ultimate closure. But um, what was it like for you?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's interesting to reflect on. It's certainly a very mixed experience. Um, I think in some ways it is. Um, it was nothing other than what the run for the path of the course of a AAA studio was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so in some ways, I mean, let's just be straight up about it, like a toxic environment in, in some particular ways. Um, and I think particularly for being like you touch on, you know, being a young, excited person um, walking in through the door, um, you know, young, excited people are the kind of people that get taken advantage of.
0: Yeah, right. That's a shame. Um,
1: yeah. So so there was that, and, you know, even just like not having the experience to, to know that when... There's nothing in my contract that says I can't walk out the door at a certain time, um, but just kind of wanting to put your all into it and even kind of feeling like this is your family and this is your community and wanting to be there, um, you know, with your comrades and, and make the best game that you possibly can. Um, and I think we I think we achieved that. I think that everyone really put their put their all into it.
0: No, and the, but, I mean, the, and as, I a, as a consumer, you know, speaking on the consumer side of it, like, I loved my time with LA Noir. Um, and kind of revisiting in various different forms in the years since as well, which obviously you didn't necessarily work on, but like the core of the game is still the the game that released a decade ago and I, I loved my time with it. Um, yeah, so no, it is great the to see it. that you show, I, I mean, I don't blame you or anyone for that. It's just, I guess it's a managerial thing that can kind of cop up in terms of making sure to keep everyone in check and make sure that people are being looked after and those sort of things that can be one of the big challenges.
1: Yeah, and I think as well... Um big challenges and you know a, a massive team and a team that was like growing I can't remember how many we were when I started um I we will still quite large but we we got bigger so I mean I've come to realize now in my career that um yeah, when you get more people, when the number of people in your team changes, like team dynamics change, things change, like the responsibilities and the kind of weight and, and the things that people need to be thinking about and doing change. Yeah. The things that happen automatically at a certain number of people suddenly need someone to, you know, manage or make that their job yeah. at, at a at another level of people. And so there's was...
0: more and more moving parts at any given
1: moment. Exactly right. Um and big project as well. But I think in a lot of ways, um, it's very heartening to see how the industry has changed and improved. There's certainly still a lot of problems with AAA studios and the way that like people can be treated. Um, the but you, you ask about how my how my experience was, and I think for myself and maybe some others, we weren't. Well, we certainly didn't say I'm burnt out. Yeah. We certainly didn't say, "Geez, I need a mental health day." because that language just didn't exist back then we it was didn't just even part have of so I, what you did for the job it was yeah and just but in the way now that um, we are we're lucky and like I talk about yes there are still problems but the very fact that we we have words and we have ways that we can express these things um, when someone says like oh yeah you know I'm feeling burnt out or um, yes I need to take a mental health day or I don't have the spoons for it um, we we I guess as a society and as an industry um, have improved to the point where, I don't know. We haven't fixed every problem, but at the very least, we've found ways to be able to talk about these things. Yeah. We didn't even have that. Um, so yeah,
0: no. That's uh, I mean that's that's a fascinating way to look at. It. And of course, yeah, people are walking into and still to this day, and as you said, there are still stories that crop up about other studios all around the globe. But the thing that we all do need to keep in mind is that yeah, there are people of you know varying levels of experience and 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 you know what might be trivial to one person is quite significant to another and vice versa. And so it's it's working through those things and you hope that you've got, um, and, and this extends to obviously any profession, not just game development as well. You just hope that the, the people above you in that sort of managerial or leadership position are hearing what's being presented and that they can respond and support accordingly. And I think if if anyone, again, regardless of the profession, is doing that, then you're creating a good workplace. If someone's feeling burnt out, you respond to it. If someone's not feeling that, well, let's not let's not change. Let's not uh, fix what isn't broken. Those sort of things. You, you're trying to you're trying to find a sweet spot. And I guess, as you say, when the team gets exponentially larger, that becomes a larger and larger challenge to manage as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. And there's these questions of yeah, are you? What are you doing? You're building a game, or you're running a studio, or you're yeah, managing people. All these things. Um, but so the flip side and probably some of the um, I don't know the, the pain or the the particular challenge around it is there was an extremely flat um, company structure that's something that I've come to appreciate as being like quite unique and I think in fact is something that allowed the game to be um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that's a special game it certainly feels like that to me because I worked on it but I, yeah. I do think it has a bit of personality um, that that's that's different to anything else and I'd uh, be happy to say it's different to any um, Rockstar game that's um, that, that's come out. Yeah, okay. So, And I think that well and truly comes from this flat structure where everybody had a voice, and if you wanted to make something happen, it was just a matter of going and talking to the person who you knew had the skills to you know, do the other piece that you couldn't do, and working together and um, making it happen, and just hopefully getting it to a polished enough state that when someone from Rockstar sees it, they say, okay, it's going to be easier to keep that than it's going to be to cut it. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, and so, yeah, it's been great, like, to look at the careers of some of the people who have um, come out of Team Bondi and have gone on to um, some some pretty exciting stuff. I think a lot of that comes from the, yeah, the breadth of responsibility we had uh, and just the way that we had to, um, yeah, learn to conduct ourselves and be able to interface with, you know, whether it's artists or programmers um, or whoever else and kind of maintain these relationships in a studio of, you know, 200 people or whatever number we were at. Yeah, that's
0: that's fair. I mean, you are a product of your environment and your experiences, and it, I mean, it's good to see or good to hear that people who work there, and despite how tumultuous it might have been for some, it's good to good to see and hear that some people, you know, when, once they moved on, or I guess the studio closed and were forced to move on, have gone on to do some incredible things. Like that's that's, that's awesome to hear, and including yourself, like as and we're obviously going to touch on everything else shortly. Like you've done some really fantastic things, especially in education, which. As, as a teacher myself i i loved re- uh reading and learning all about that and what you've been up to so um we'll, we'll definitely touch on all that shortly a couple little uh f- closing questions when it comes to the whole team bondi chapter did you have anything to do with uh the reported rumored i guess maybe, maybe it was confirmed at some point i don't know the the whore of the orient title did uh, i mean can you i'm not sure if you can or can't even discuss that but uh there's obviously a lot of speculation about it. Did you have anything to do with it in any capacity?
1: I had nothing to do with it in any capacity apart from getting to see some of the um, very exciting ways that thing? it may have been shipping up. <laughs> no,
0: that's fair. That's uh, I, I didn't think... There's not much that can be said anyway and obviously the project is long dead, so I um, felt I had to ask that one. And a couple other little ones that uh, Matt and Player 2 Editor, who we, we discussed earlier, wanted to ask... Uh, George Miller, the film director, his name was uh, something that I guess was kind of attached to the studio in some ways, especially with kind of all things Mad Max. He wanted to know, did you have a chance to work with George or meet him or anything like that along the way? No,
1: I was never lucky to. Um, I'd moved on and, yeah, started the kind of next stage um, in my career yeah. when the yeah, studio, geez, now we're going back. I think before there was a full, complete shutdown, there was a big downsizing um, they moved building uh, and basically yeah set up shopping with um, yeah George Miller. So I've heard great great stories of friends who are just you know walking through the kitchen and end up in a you know discussion with the you know director of Mad Max just you know casually while they're grabbing something to eat. That's pretty cool. Um, but <laughs> again, just another one that I get to be jealous of um, and and enjoy from a distance.
0: So yeah, as you said, there was a downsize there. You the the game launched in May you were out in June. Was that a product of some of that downsizing? Could you see the writing on the wall? Did you just personally need to just get a change at that stage? Like what was, what was kind of going through your head at the time there? No, I would have been part of
1: that downsizing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was not one of the the few that, um, were carried on. That's, I know well and truly it wasn't my choice. I was excited for, for what, um, the plans were next. um, it's maybe just disappointing those plans weren't, all these wheels weren't put into motion uh, a bit earlier. And again, this comes back to, you know, even if you've done it before, every time is different. So I don't begrudge anyone. Um, you know, we made, a, we made a pretty great game. And, uh, you know, team size changing and growing and, um, you know, it's, it's pretty big what we're doing. Um, but maybe if you were to say there's a lesson to take away, the lesson might be okay if your plan is we're going to release this and make another game. You need to start thinking about that other game, you know, probably earlier than you than you think you need to.
0: Yeah, no, that's fair. Makes a lot of sense. So the next chapter wasn't in the AAA space, um, like like we what we've just explained, uh, discussed there, into science, which was um, I, we just discussed before. Obviously, there's the the education space that you've really spent a lot of time in as well, including quite recently um and it's obviously something that's really a massive passion of mine being a teacher myself a high school teacher um but you've been you were developing a whole bunch of educational content there for tablets and online use and it does begin this trend of kind of educational based work that you've done what i guess what about it pricked your interest there uh, in the first place
1: I mean, I would love to say that I knew that I wanted to make games to make a difference and do something positive. Well and truly, um, it ignited my passion. It made me aware that that's kind of what I want to do, the way I want to spend my time. But I think, to be completely honest, it was, I'm looking for a job. I make games. There's not many opportunities available. Um, I'll do this thing in education because I know how to use Unity. I've been playing with Unity for five or six years up to that point, Uh, and these People are looking for someone who can build things in Unity, so let's go and do that. Again, speaking about um, just being incredibly fortunate and being in the right place at the right time and things like that. That, yeah, that opened my eyes to the direction I wanted to move in my career, which was yeah, games to change, um, games that have meaning, games that do something more than I don't want to say more than just the entertain because entertaining yeah. people and giving good experiences and creating joy is definitely a val- a valuable and valid thing. Um, but yeah, games that that do more than entertain.
0: Yeah, that, that, that's great. And what sort, of, what sort of highlights were there from that period?
1: Um, I mean, for me, those were the first times that I, I, I didn't know it at the time, but that was my first introduction to a startup environment. Um, yep. Again, just being naive, I don't even think I knew what a startup was. I just went, oh, geez, this team's small. Uh, and so from then, I was, I was the first um, of the, what became a design team. Yeah okay. so that was my opportunity as well to learn a bit of leadership and learn what it is to be a um a lead designer uh and learn how to you know work a bit more with a team and direct people and kind of direct work and things like that as well so those yeah. were definitely highlights a, a big one for me um during that whole time there was we made this great experience um the Janolan Caves which is a I don't know location somewhere in in New South Wales um great oh, yeah, cave okay. network uh you know schools get out there um, there's this great collaboration we have with CSIRO where they had this new technology that could laser scan stuff and they had a bunch of money to spend. The government kind of said, you've got this budget, it's for communication. You're meant to be letting people know about, uh, you know, the exciting things that CSIRO did. You know, you, you did Wi-Fi, that's pretty exciting. But what was that? How many years <laughs> ago was that? What are you up to next? <laughs> so we were able to go and scan these, uh, scan the Genolan caves, create a 3D environment of that. We already had this great platform that had, um, uh, you know, we're building like three D three D environments and a whole little whole little game for teaching science. But so it was a good synergy of being able to take the three D caves, build all that. The exciting part for me is that was a six month project uh, that I basically led. So at oh, that awesome. point in my career, um, that was that was a big milestone, and not in the way of, look now I feel you know big or. I'm a special big person, or something like that. But as far as like extending me and pushing me out of my comfort zone, um, and in some ways, you know, putting me in places where you know I failed or floundered around a little bit. Um, but yeah, it certainly, certainly extended me um, in ways that I hadn't been up to that point.
0: Yeah, a key milestone. <clears throat> <clears throat> so that that uh, that period with InterScience that was about three to four years, um, and it's not the only as as you just kind of highlighted there it's not the only piece of kind of educational based software and, and, and that you worked on it's not the only company that you worked on in that sort of capacity but i will note a couple of little games that kind of popped up along the way as well uh so we've got station stop for example um the, the what was dubbed the train sim for everybody uh you were working with them for uh with the team for a few months and also uh, semaphore studios which uh, it wasn't a studio I'd necessarily been familiar with, but then when I did a little bit of digging, I actually realized that I saw the name of their game kind of pop up in the last year or two. Uh, so what is now referred to as uh, Badia and sorry, I don't know if I'm butchering the pronunciation there, uh, Desert Survival, which obviously it didn't have that subtitle at the time, mm-hmm. but you were doing a bit of work with the team there. They're, they're a Saudi Arabian team?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. So I was yeah, doing some remote work um, with them, um, yeah, being a being design lead for them. Which was which was a really good opportunity. I mean, new ones for me there was learning how to work remote, which comes in handy a little bit um, nowadays. What little you knew. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. If only I knew. Um, but yeah, so some work with those. Um, station stop was an exciting one. That was my baby. That was me messing around um, after work. Actually, at that's what I was doing in my spare time while I was at um, into science. Yep. Working on station stop. Um, had some other really great friends who I'd been in uh, came up with through Team Bondi, um, who, uh, you know, were putting together a little studio and things like that. Um, and one of them went, OK, well, we don't really know how to publish a game, but like, let's, I don't know, kind of help you do that. Um, yeah. I'm just sitting there messing around and they're like, OK, well, I can put you in touch with an artist. OK, I can put you in touch with developers. OK, let's, um yeah, let's put a small team together and, and make it formalize you somehow. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was a great experience. Um, yeah, got plenty out of that. How did you
0: how did you go with that? Given the uh, the immense difference in scale, not only of obviously the the process of creating the game, but um, in, ter- in terms of things like publishing and getting it out there, and the platform you're creating it for, and you know, massive contrast to what you've just been experiencing with L.A. Noir.
1: Yeah, I'd... interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure I've. I don't know
0: are they different enough that they're not the same thing maybe well yeah i mean i guess at the core the the thing is you you're creating a video game i guess at a surface level they are the same thing but i guess the responsibilities that you would have had to take on were quite different um or probably more plentiful i guess when it's a much smaller team and uh but you know the scope of the project is very different you're looking to create a very very different game obviously um I guess at the time or even upon reflection, did that, was that something you were kind of wrestling with uh, like in terms of just making the adjustment, necessary adjustments?
1: No, I didn't, didn't wrestle with it. Um, didn't, yeah, it didn't, uh, it never came up as a Jesus is right. different to what I've done before. I think because it was the, the natural climate. I mean, to be honest, I've always been messing around with little games, like starting with making Doom levels, then starting with making little games and let's copy Space Invaders and now let's copy Pac-Man and now let's, Another funny one. Now let's try and rebuild, you know, Grand Theft Auto 1 kind of a thing. So oh, nice. I was always, I need an outlet. Um, I'm sure that's not unusual, but if I'm not creating something, I get a little bit stir crazy, uh, which is a problem because I am always just making small little things. Um, so so that's in, definitely in my DNA, always working on something.
0: So in fact, and the the last, it was actually the odd one out then.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and truly. And I think in some ways, if you look at my career, it's, well... In many ways, if you look at my career, L.A. Noire is definitely the kind of um, piece outside of, I don't know, the box that I've built myself. But but on Station Stop, um, that started as, you know, the thing I was doing to, to help myself spend two hours before I go to bed each night. Um, yeah. And then that gradually evolved into, okay, well, let's take this serious. Okay, what's the identity of this game going to be? Um, and then into probably the, the biggest outcome and the most exciting thing from um, Station Stop was getting it down to, to PAX yep. to Showcase, I think, in 2015. Great experience, learnt so much there. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, that was that was the highlight of that. I mean, if the game was nothing else than a, a vehicle for me to get down there and learn to, I don't know, engage with people and try to build a bit of community and um, understand player feedback a bit more and how to deal with that. That was that was certainly worth its weight
0: in gold. No, that's awesome to hear. And then on the on the Battier side, so yeah, as you mentioned, it was it was remote work there. The challenges of that, I guess, what what would you face there in that respect? Given that, well, the idea of working remotely in the capacity that we know it to be these days is uh, well, it wasn't really a thing back then for the most part. Um, how what was that like trying to work with the team, convey all the mess- necessary messaging despite being on the other end of a computer or, or a phone?
1: Yeah, no, that was actually um, incredibly difficult in a, in a couple of ways. So I'm generally quite a hands-on person. So when I'm part of a design team, I like to be part of the design team. I prefer yep. not to be you know, writing you documents and things like that. It's like, if we're gonna sit down and solve a problem, well, let's sit down and we'll solve the problem. Um, when you're working remote, remote, and especially when you're working across time zones, you don't have that luxury. Yeah, uh, And the other piece as well, um working with in a lot of ways a a very passionate team i think they were quite aware of the fact that they were doing something special um trying to you know in a part of the world that was not not known for games or creating to be honest like global popular culture they were trying to do that so so they they knew the challenges and they knew what they were trying to do and i think that um that was certainly you know drove passion and a lot of a lot of fire in the team but in a lot of ways, um, there was not a lot of deep experience uh, simply because, I don't know, if you go back five or six years and try and find, you know, the most experienced designer or the most experienced programmer in Saudi Arabia um, certainly hasn't been doing it for 10 or 15 years at that point. So, uh, yeah, the challenges of, yeah, yes, working remotely, especially when I enjoy being core and part of a team, um, but also that real shift of understanding that, okay, I'm working with a team of, um, more junior people uh, and learning to kind of to, to juggle around that
0: no that's fair um, do you still watch on from afar and just kind of see how things are tracking do you do you hear from the team at all because uh, the, the game has kind of been a gestation for quite some time interestingly there was a battle royale that came out last year I guess everyone jumping on the battle royale bandwagon there but um, there was a battle royale that came out last year but I guess the core game that you'd been working on or been a part of is still yet to release um, it went into early access in 2016 the, the full I guess what would I guess we could just dub simply as the 1.0 hasn't yet occurred but it's still TBD do you do you watch on from afar or is that very no, rearview like, mirror at this point
1: um rearview mirror now it's been a, a while since I've I, I was very excited to see when the early um, access came out and and some of that and seeing being able to watch a few plays stream that has, has been good there's uh yeah one person in particular that I'm in um, occasional contact with it's a yeah, young okay. woman who Works, works on the team, so, and I don't know, just to speak about having eyes opened and, I don't know, maybe you picked up I enjoy new experiences and I enjoy having oh, my yeah. horizons broadened, working with um, Saudi Arabian teams certainly broadened my horizons and working with, um, yeah, quite a, you know, talented and passionate young woman um, in Saudi Arabia certainly opened my eyes to, to various different experiences. Um, I know recently in the last couple of years how absolutely excited and, Truly, truly life-changing it was that she's now able to drive. Yeah, okay. Um, Something I'm not we sure just what take for granted. Yeah, three or four years ago. It was illegal for a woman to drive in that country. Um. So, yeah, it's, I don't know, the joys of remote work, being able to, you know, we're not sitting shoulder to shoulder. We're not in the same room, but being able to have daily contact and just, you know, have my small little world shattered. Um,
0: you know, those are those are good things too. Yeah, that, I mean, that's awesome. And, uh, yeah, and th- thankfully that, that situation with driving has been resolved over there. And hopefully, I mean, there's still a lot that uh, a lot of people in that country contend with, and hopefully things continue to get better in that space. But it was, I guess it must have been so exciting for you to be, and you've kind of conveyed that already, but for that moment, I guess, to have that phone call, video chat, whatever it happened to be. And I went for a drive today. I, I, I can I imagine that would have been huge for you again as i said before something that i guess we all just take for granted here but the excitement that brought someone else that was unable to prior must have been must been a thrill
1: yeah um i mean it's obviously more important to her than it is to me but but certainly um yeah just again like having eyes opened or you know things where like you say take for granted you don't realize now we're talking about driving but if you can't drive, you've got no autonomy. You've got no more mobility. You can't. You can't have a life. Yeah. Um. If there are places you don't want to be or circumstances you don't want to be in, you can't escape Can't get escape. You know?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So even to kind of stop and reflect on that and and realize that I know this. Yeah. This is a big thing. Plenty more. Plenty more to go. But um, I don't know. A step in the right direction is I guess a step in the right direction.
0: Yeah. So now we're getting back to education again. So there's, there's a few different places you've worked at here. I'm going to rattle off some names and we can kind of bundle them all in one big thing and discuss some of the experiences throughout. Prosper Education, Life Skills Group, Teach Tomorrow. Um, also one that, not, like uh, through my continued uh, scrolling through the intent to find information beforehand, uh, Muso, Muso Unplugged. Um, there's a host of different experiences you've had over the course of the last few years and, and most recently Chaos Theory Games as well. Um, but... The education space there, obviously, you, you've returned to that, having kind of deviated back to the, I guess, still quite different the games you're making, but the more traditional sort of video game model. Um, what's it been like in the years since there? What have you been? What have you gotten from all your work in education?
1: Yeah, so I guess my journey, like I think the the piece that I'm excited about, and the reason I'm so zen and happy with my life now. Is um, I was on a path that I realised was taking me closer to education, which I quite like, um, but further from games and closer to product design. Yep. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm glad that we've just dived into this conversation. You haven't asked me like what my job title is or something like that because I struggle with that question. I don't know. I I want the answer to be game designer, but when I look at the kind of roles that and things that I've had today if someone says oh you know what do you do I say game designer product designer um, yep. so yeah working through uh, prosper education um, really great startup environment um, again so this is the other the other thread spending more and more time in startup environments yes. um, learning a bit more about how yeah how you just make things happen when you've got nothing um, and you know maybe there's certain pieces of the the, the station stop there Um we didn't have much, but we, we had to make a thing happen. Um, Trostor was great because that was well and truly a game, a game that was you know built to educate, teach young people, um, well, kindergarten students really, how to speak English. Yeah. So we we're selling into Chinese market. That's another thing. If you want to find a place where there are a lot of people to buy your things, then China's a great market China's for that. a great <laughs> Um, but yeah, that was well and truly a really, really great team. Um, well-funded startup. That's the other thing I've learned. If you can find a well-funded startup, that's, that's a good spot to be. So Security. really talented team. Um, if you have the people, if you manage to hire enough people that know enough of what gaps need to be filled, um, and you're funded, then you're in a really good spot. You can hire, um, you know, an amazing team and you can build a great product. So we had a game that was um, really high quality, like far higher quality than it, than it maybe needed to be. Um, but that was well and truly working on working on a cool little game. Um, from there, I can't remember if I bounced somewhere else first, but ended up at um, Life Skills Group. And this was a product um, to, um, still going, it's a, it's a great, great product actually. Selling into schools, um, teaching students social and emotional learning.
0: Yes, which is, um, I mean, as I uh, mean, we, we mentioned before, like I'm a teacher, and that's that's something that's an increased focus. And thankfully, yeah. you know, you're getting a fair few of the governments that are also supporting that sort of thing, um, because it's an increasing issue um, in terms of you know some of the social stuff and the emotional stuff that's going on. That it's kind of invisible in a lot of ways. So to be kind of creating programs or software or anything that can kind of support and help assist. That's yeah, huge. exactly. And so I think what back in the day would have been
1: called soft skills, now social and emotional learning, and I think realising as well um, the trajectory of, you know, people's lives uh, is impacted by, you know, schooling, but the trajectory of their schooling is impacted by more than just their, like, academic ability. Um, you know, your your social competencies and your emotional stability and things like this are very important. And seeing, um, I mean, speaking about being, rubbing up against, you know, different, different parts of the world, that was, so the... Schools that are most in need of social and emotional learning programs are um, schools with lower social economic um, yeah. situations, where there are some problems that are um, really really break your heart, and where kids will be bullying and all kinds of things just because they don't they don't know any better they don't yeah. have any um, better methods or any better outlet. It's or, a
0: coping mechanism of sorts.
1: Well, precisely, and even just simple things like going. You know, there's there's a lot of it, but. And that's the other thing, like growth mindset techniques and things like this as well. Growth mindset just very simply the idea that like, hey, we can grow and we can improve. Yeah. You're not like you're not born dumb or smart. Um, you've got the ability to to change and like it's not like you can't do something. It's more you can't do it yet. Um but if you keep putting in the effort in the right places and kind of just trust that if I put in the effort, um I'll I'll get better get better results. But yeah, focusing on that effort, not focusing on the outcome. Yeah. You can't control if you get the job or not, but you can certainly control. You know, do you put your best foot forward? Do you get out of bed and apply for these things? Um, so, so always focusing the effort rather than on the outcome. But that's a, but that's yes. a really interesting so, one, though, actually,
0: because <clears> and the, cycling to kind of some of my teaching experiences over the journey. I won't yeah, name please. the I won't name the town of the school specifically, but like there was it was a cultural thing within the within just anyone that lived in in the town that was more. Like, I live from such and such, so I can't really ever be this or that or the other. Like, you know, I'm I'm a product of... My, my parents didn't go to university, so I won't be able to do that. Or my parents didn't, you know, they've only been working in this sort of job, so that's... Like, I, I can't do any better than that. Like, no, you can. Like, it's... And it's all... Like, we're here to help you, and it's creating that structure around them and supporting them in, yeah, in terms of the social, emotional intelligences and... And just creating again growth mindset sort of focus there. That no, no, you can be whatever you want to be. You just got, you've just got to be prepared to put in a bit of work, of course, and look for the support that's there, and we'll we'll get you to where you need to be. And I mean, the number of students, and I was teaching in Year Twelve. I was teaching Year Twelve. I guess still do, but not in the same area these days. Um, the number of students that would come through and say, "I'm the first one in my family who's even gotten to the end of Year 12 and or I guess at the time they hadn't even gotten to the end of Year Twelve, they were starting Year Twelve, and like that, that get discuss, uh, discussed fairly early on in the piece. I so, "Well, like I'm going to make sure you're not failing. Like you are, yeah. you are getting through this thing. If I have to drag you to the finish line, I will get you to, to the end of this thing, and you will be the first in your family that does this." And it's, um, like some of those stories that you come across along the way are just they're horrible, but at the same time with the with the teacher hat on, there's there's opportunity here. There's an opportunity to, to change the complete trajectory of of this kid's life just by providing them an education. Yeah.
1: yeah support and supporting them when they need it. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes it's it's yeah, as easy as, you know, the the right words or just letting them know a thing that yeah, you know, you can change and you can improve. If no one's yeah. ever told you that in your life, then, you know, maybe you never consider that. Yeah. Um, so so it's sometimes it doesn't, it really doesn't take much. Um, even the little framing of like, you know, oh, you're a bad kid. Well, no, maybe your actions are bad. You've, you've decided to take a bad action. You're still a perfectly fine kid. You yeah, are not bad. You're, yeah, this is not an inherent trait of you. You're not bad today and will always be bad forever. The actions you're taking right now, bad, but that does not make you bad. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, even I don't know, it's just words, but like they they really they, they make really a massive impact difference. Impact people's lives, yeah. So, so that's obviously, you know, I'm quite passionate about that stuff. Um, I was first introduced to like growth mindset concept, concepts, and the yeah, my first introduction of social emotional learning was with Prosper Education. You know, we're making a project to teach teach kids how to speak English, but if we're going to embed some values into it, let's embed some um, good values. Yeah. I was just lucky enough to be put in touch with a few experts in that field. Kind of opened my eyes. It helps. Um, And then, yeah, from there, I think, yeah, moved to life skills group, another early, early stage startup, obviously doing, um, yeah, good, good work that, that I'm kind of passionate about and want to be part of, but also have had a real head on their shoulders as far as good connections with schools. Already have people who are you know ready to buy and use the product uh, and things like that.
0: The networking which, has been done already.
1: Yeah, that's that's certainly important, and that's well and truly something I learned from the now I'm putting the pieces together from um, the InterScience. Yep. I mean, the biggest failing from InterScience was that I basically set out to make the game that I wanted to make, um, rather than like, okay, stop, we're building something for you know teachers to be An using in classrooms let's go and spend some time understanding teachers in classrooms and building the thing that they want or sorry, the thing that they need. Yep. So, so being able to come into life skills group and go like, Oh, we've already got 50 schools who are happy to talk to us. And, Oh, you want to go and sit in a classroom or you want to go and paper prototype a new game design idea, go into a classroom. You've got 30 kids who are eager to, Oh, that's the thing. Kids are always eager to, you know, to play whatever it is that you've, you've got to show them. Oh, for sure. Um, and that's always a great experience as well. Like, yeah, seeing smiling faces is, is always fun. But so through Life Skills um, group, I came into that as um, doing doing some game design um, and just the, the team shifted a little bit and I ended up taking on uh, more product development roles and moving into a, a VP of product kind of role there. So maybe you might say that one third of the product was games and that's kind of where I started. Um, towards the end of my time there, I was overseeing like the entirety of the product. Yes. So realizing that games was still part of what I was, you know, doing and paying attention to, but but, reduced but I, think I was deviating deviating a little bit further from from games than where I wanted to be, which is um, you touched on it before. Uh, Chaos Theory Games is where I found home now, and I'm very happy. Um, and that was part of an uh, an active choice. I kind of sat back and went. I'm not happy. Why am I not happy? I like, you know, the impact we're having. I like the team. This is all great. There's something missing. Um, but realizing that, like, games is in my DNA. I like creating things that are joyful, and there wasn't enough of that where I was. Um, so so I went and um, uh, actively seeked that out, sook that out. I don't know what the word is. Um, sort? And Yeah, sort. <laughs> sort it out. Sorted it out. Yeah, yeah that's the, the one I didn't go for. Sorry, teacher had Sorted of it out. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> Um, and yeah, no, and so now I've um yeah found found my home at Chaos Theory games, which really has the right balance. Um, I think for my money as a as a team goes, just like so young and dynamic and they absolutely put me to shame what what these um what these young people are able to do, young people they're probably five or six years younger than me, but um I'm just younger the, so the young no. people. Can't. To be honest, it's um it's 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 funny like because this that it is sitting in my head but I feel like the old guy. Um, Just don't use the I'm... phrase
0: whippersnapper and you'll be fine.
1: <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, no, it's a strange dynamic because, like, always, I, at every point in my life, I've been I've been the young guy. Um, I've been the young guy in the room, um, you know, the, the fresh, young, hip game designer man that's coming in to help our technology, you know, become more, you know, games and player-focused and things like this. Um, and this is maybe the first time in my career that I've walked into a team that's, um, you know, younger than I am. Uh, and that's really yeah that's really exciting. But yeah so perfect balance team who young care about games play games you know game nights every week oh, awesome. uh, and yeah no it's great um and yeah care about making quality products understand how to make quality products like from a from a game perspective let's make some games that are actually fun and good uh, but with a real understanding that like we are doing things for positive change um and you know, the game does. The game's not doing its job if it's just fun. Like we're setting out to achieve things. If we're here to teach a certain thing, or if we're here to change a mindset, or improve a person's life in a certain way, you know, we're not doing our job unless we're thoroughly understanding, you know, what that problem is and making sure that we are solving it.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. You're only halfway there if it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I like it. And I guess the, the one the one question I had about that that phase there is that what chaos theory games does is, is so. Broad in a lot of senses that you know they're creating mobile games, there's serious games, there's AR and VR. What are you kind of experimenting with a little bit at the moment in that space? Uh, are, you to, are you allowed to? I don't know if you're not allowed, if you're not able to say or specify, that's fine as well.
1: Speaking of being a young team, maybe they should learn that we should put people under NDA. Um, no, we are certainly exciting stuff. Like the company and the team is growing and growing and growing. Um, it's kind of funny naivety seems to be a theme of my career here i was naive i walked in and had no idea that the games that we were designing and working on now were the biggest games that they would ever designed and worked on it's just been um forward and forward and forward and bigger and bigger and bigger so the things we're um experimenting with like really a lot of uh improvement in the company a lot around process a lot around making sure that we are like making um, good lives for people. You know, we care a lot about like well being. And that's no surprise. Like, this is the exciting thing about working with a bunch of young people. They get it. I don't have to walk in and be like, these things are important, like into, into stuffy boardrooms or anything like yeah. this. They already they get it. So, working to improve people's lives, um, retaining staff, because if we're going to be investing in, you know, um, making people better and more skilled, like let's make sure we retain that capacity. So let's make sure that everyone's fulfilled um, and is, you know, has the agency. Um, so plenty on processes improvement, um, but also so that we are able to increase our um, capacities and capabilities. Yep. There's a game that I wish I could speak about, um, or That's to be honest, I wish I could speak about the people that we've been working with, um, but it's, it's, it hasn't come out the door yet. Um, but for a team that is so small and so young, it's incredible. Some of the clientele that we're pulling in, uh, so part of the challenges are that we don't really get to choose, you know, what what direction we take things. Are we going to explore AR? Are we going to explore VR? That very much is up to the clients and the work that, um, you know, that that comes to us. Um, but, but yeah, the the projects are getting bigger and the projects are getting more exciting. Um, and we are definitely, you know, getting to getting to dabble in in all those kind of interesting places, uh, even if it's more on someone else's um, pacing. You know, we hope you bring us something exciting so we can work on it because uh, we're certainly keen to do that.
0: But you've clearly got that thing at the moment. You just have to keep, oh, you we got...
1: you just have to keep your lips. sealed for now. If I was to say that there was any um, pains or challenges, the, the problem is we've got too many of that thing at the moment. Oh, um, okay. A lot of, yeah, no, there's a lot of, a lot of uh, quite exciting projects we have, have on.
0: Spinning a lot of plates. Yes,
1: yeah. Um, but, but, but good stuff. And again, it's fun, again, to be part of the challenges of um, growing teams and... Um, yeah and being in a slightly different role like i i'm you know i I do the bits i do what i can but like i'm a game designer that's the hat that i wear that's the hat that i want to wear
0: yeah
1: um rather than like you being vp of product and all that kind of stuff so good to see how it's um, done in a few places um good to um i know that my input is appreciated um when i when i decide to give it um but otherwise i don't know sit back and just just be surprised and happy that I'm in such good young hands.
0: No, that, that that's awesome to hear. So as we start to wind things up, I guess I'll cycle a little bit back to you specifically as opposed to the projects or the, the roles yeah. over, over the journey. Is there anyone out there that you've worked with or that you look at from afar that really inspires you in the way you go about your work? Hmm. And I guess, I guess it's an interesting... Uh, I guess for me specifically, this is a more interesting one given that compared to the majority of people I've had on the show, mo- most that I've had on the show so far, maybe, maybe all if I'm, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head, I don't think anyone's necessarily develop, uh, developed or focused on that education space as much as you have. So it brings a whole other field, a whole other potential pool of incredible people that you've worked with or looked at from afar that might potentially provide some sort of inspiration for how you go about your work.
1: Yeah, no, I know. I mean, people I've worked with directly, certainly part of the reflection, like talking about being a um, product of your environment and stuff like that. I mean, true to an extent, but obviously we've all got um, our own agency and um, make our own decisions and things like that. I, uh, as a young person, my early 20s, I was um, not very um, self-aware, not very reflective um, and took a lot of things for granted and didn't see a lot of value in in people. It would be like you failed me in a certain way or you're not good at doing this, which means, and, and I'm not seeing the, the value or bringing the parts that you're good at. Yeah. So it's been, it's been wonderful to see other people, um, you know, in their careers and just have that name pop up and kind of be reminded and and have those points that kind of force you to reflect and be like, no, Dean, you were the one that was wrong. Like, yeah, you were the one that was small-minded and short-sighted. Um, so, so, I, so I enjoy that kind of stuff. Um, it's an interesting one as well. Like people come to me and say, okay, you know, how do you design games um, or, you know, have a conversation like this? And so often my, I come back to educational frameworks. Yep. The Or maybe let's say good educational frameworks. I think the job of a, of a good educator is to create meaningful learning experiences. Um, and there's probably two things buried in there. One, it needs to be meaningful. It's not open this book and we're going to do this. And it's not, um, Today we're going to learn about this thing. Well, why are we learning about that, sir? Oh, because I said so. Um, the experiences need to be like meaningful and grounded in something that that matters to the. I was about to say player, but matters to the student. Um, and from my perspective, it's important that they are learning experiences. They're not teaching experiences. Um, we're not here to teach you something. We're here to create an environment for you to learn something. That's the framing that I take to to game design. Um, we're well, that, creating. I mean, that,
0: that's fascinating as well because I mean, and awesome that you're bringing that to work in terms of game design as well because that's that's certainly one of the big things that we really focused on at my old school and even to an extent my, my current one as well where which was like you've got the task you've got the student you've got the teacher and the learning in the yep. middle there that's like all of those three parties the, the task the student and the, the teacher they're all leading to that one thing in the center there it's not about any one individual thing and if there's too much emphasis on one then the rest are suffering as a result like it's it's all in with learning being that central focus and so it's awesome to hear that that's kind of still underpinning your, your game development work too.
1: Yeah, and I, I often feel like I'm a, um, I am I do not know, one track pony or broken record or something because I keep coming back to it. But I think it's a, such a simple kind of concept. Um, but this, yeah, this idea of creating your meaningful experiences, um, thinking about them as learning experiences. Like, yeah. I don't care if I'm teaching you how to, I don't know, do maths. I don't care if I'm teaching you how to shoot a zombie in the head. It's still, it's still an educational experience and there's always good and bad ways of doing it. I mean, I can pop up instructions that say shoot zombies in head to kill them faster or I can put you in a cinematic and throw you to the ground where your character reaches for their gun and there's one bullet left in it. And okay, Go you've miss. got one bullet to put down the zombie. What are you going to do? Shoot it in the leg or are you going to shoot it in the head? So that's a learning experience where the player is certainly active um, and this player is certainly motivated um but gets to yeah feel ownership over that learning. So so yep. that's definitely the way that I um come thinking about Gamazon. Um yeah, I've been um lucky enough to be I mean to throw names around. Um uh Tim Power is is was the CEO at 3P Learning. Yep. So back in the interscience, inter-science. days yeah, um we ended up being um rolled in with 3P Learning. So I don't know some people may remember I oh, know it's still going still out there, mathletics it's yep. probably one of the biggest products like that's yeah, out in a lot of schools. Um and so that's a company that is well than truly focused on, you know, education, uh with a little bit of games and kind of fun wrapped into that. Um, but definitely like being put in touch with high quality educators and um learning the kind of exciting ideas um that are kinda of at the forefront of thinking there. Yeah. Yeah, to be honest, that's where my I think my strongest kind of influence has come from, the way that I look at look at things and, and try to I don't know, approach things. No, that's yeah. awesome.
0: So, uh, I we've kind of answered this a little bit uh, in that last response as well. But have there been any particularly valuable lessons or experiences you've had along the way? Things that have really stuck with you and helped kind of drive you going forward.
1: Yeah, I think one is it's important to um, take time to reflect. You know, you there's and to consider like I don't know this stuff's probably pretty mundane, but to think about goals and to think about. you know, as almost wanky as a word as it sounds, but like think about the journey, like where are yep. you going? Um, if you don't think about the journey and where you want to end up, well, you probably don't know if you're on the right track and you probably have no idea if you if you ever got there or not. Um, so that stuff's definitely important. And thinking about um, success more broadly. often it's like, well, is this game successful? Well, did it make a bunch of money? Like, yes, no. Well, no. What else did you get out of that? Um, how has this made you better? How has this put you in a better position where the thing that you couldn't even conceive of doing two years ago suddenly seems like it might be achievable. So everything that's helped you, you know, continue on that path and that journey is probably part of that success. Achievable, valuable, yeah. Um, and yeah, and just just realizing, yeah, the, the value of reflection and there's a lesson to be learned from every experience. There's no, there's no failure except for a failure to learn, but you don't get those lessons automatically unless you kind of stop and go, okay, well, what was it that was good in that and what was it that was bad in that? Yeah. Um, it just, you know, it goes over your head. And yeah, I guess if you don't reflect, you probably did just spend another day of your life without getting the yeah. Most out of it, you couldn't, yeah.
0: No, I wholeheartedly agree. It's a thrill to me that you're kind of rattling off a lot of the same things that we really speak about within that teaching profession as well, despite being totally different states. The focus is still the same, which is awesome. A couple little curly ones as we wrap up, a bit more fun and lighthearted. If there's uh, any game that you could have been credited for in some way, shape, or form. Now, this could just be as simple as Special Thanks. What game would it be? Something you would have loved to have been involved oh, in. Oh, I would love you um, for... So, sorry, something... That you would have loved to have somehow
1: been involved in. I, um, I don't even know how to pronounce. Gallagher? Galaga? Oh, yeah, yeah, Galaga, yeah. Yeah, 1981. I think That's... this is the best designed game of all time in some ways. Um, geez, I would have loved to have, uh, maybe I still can build that time machine and go back in time and design that. Um, I think that game does some amazing, wonderful things, pushes, uh, absolutely forward. Um, 1981, how many years ago that is now, um, but coming off the back, uh, soon after things like space invaders, where you've got, you know, one color, one static screen. Okay. Wonderful. We've got aliens moving left and moving right. And occasionally they come down at you um galaga moving into okay now there's levels and now there's waves um i think every and they they come down in um, recognizable patterns every level starts with not just the aliens spawning on screen every level starts with clear screen your little ship at the bottom and these aliens swooping in on these yeah yeah, it it kind of happens
0: almost it feels dynamically but it's obviously not very well scripted but yeah, well, no, Huge. but for me, that's the important piece. It's very well scripted
1: piece. It was the the point where um, the it's like the I can't quite capture it. But to put it like simply, it's like the more you play, the better you get at this game. In two ways, one in like just your mechanical skill, you get better at playing the game the more, the more you play it. But that pattern recognition piece. So I think there was this real superpower that would probably made that game um, super engaging and super addictive. I mean, that's an ugly word there um, back in the day. But this idea that, um, yeah, there's almost two layers to it. It's not just the, you know, can you get better at Pac-Man by, you know, getting better at Pac-Man. There's, there's that mechanical ability, but also this like pattern recognition yeah. um, that, that almost comes automatically as well. So even if you hit your physical mechanical skill ceiling, um, you can still be improving. And I think there's something um, really kind of magical and really ahead of its time uh, for that one.
0: Yeah, I mean it's forty years old this year and yep. that's like oh. Yes as you said, so far ahead of its time in a lot of different ways. And there's probably still a few game developers that are looking at that closely and trying to work how can we how can we do this? Like how can we learn from this experience and help steer us going forward. Yeah. So
1: and what is it to yeah, to break that down and to capture that in, you know, today's context or the yeah. context of a completely different game. Had some cool little secrets in there and stuff as well, like being able to, you know, aliens could capture your ship, which is terrible. Your ship's been captured. But if you manage to, like, shoot that alien once they captured your ship, now that ship comes down and connects with your second life. So you've got two ships stuck together, like with double the fire power, but yeah. this reward, it's now double the size um, for the aliens to be able to hit. So, you know, secrets like that, where if you never, if you never engaged with that, you would never know that was in the game. Um, Absolutely. Probably some of the first Easter eggs as well.
0: Uh, Another little curly one before we wrap things up. If you could go back and replay any one game, so just strike it from your memory and get to play it again from from scratch, as if it never happened, what game would it be? Uh, Sorry, I missed half of that from the internet. Oh, sorry. Um, Go back and replay any game that's ever existed. Just strike it from your memory and get to play the game again for the first time. What game would you choose? Uh,
1: Good question. I feel like I had an answer to this really recently. Um... It's completely evaded. Escape you me now? Yeah. If I could play it for the Do. first time. If I... if I. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one. Like, I would love to go back and play Grand Theft Auto 4 again for the first time, um, just as a techno- technological piece. And the place in my life as a... I don't know how old I was then, but like a probably 19 or 20-year-old young man. Yeah. Um, you know, taking the day off work and setting up two TVs so I can have my mate come around with his PlayStation 3 and, you know, just spend the day playing that together. Oh, sorry, probably the evening playing that together after going to the midnight launch. Not something I have done in a while. Um,
0: oh, the days of the midnight launch.
1: The days of the midnight <laughs> launch, yeah. Uh, yeah, solid question. Um, mind is blank. Okay.
0: Do we go with GTA 4?
1: Yeah. I don't like that answer, but I guess there you go. That's the one I gave you. Well, I mean, if, oh, if, no, if, no, something, else pops, if
0: something else pops up, feel free to yeah. feel free to shout it out before we wrap things up, but... Dean, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your experiences and the journey so far. It was really, really fascinating to just read up about all this stuff, um, let alone get to ask you about those things and hear some of the, I guess, hear you elaborate on some of those experiences. It's been really fascinating for me and I'm sure the listeners as well.
1: So thank you so much for coming on board. Yeah, no, well, um, thanks for having me and thanks for putting in the research and carrying me along and making this a (laughs) really great, fun conversation. Um, That's another thing as well, right? Like I'm not afraid to kind of, uh, admit that sometimes I'm a bit awkward and, you know, dealing with a bit of anxiety and things like that. I think um, as I kind of continue my career and, and age a little bit, and again, like, you know, the world we're in now where we have language around this stuff, and you know, I don't even feel silly saying that sometimes this stuff gets to me. So, I, you know, I want to thank you for making this a comfortable experience and oh, and for yeah, so. definitely doing your research and shepherding me along.
0: No, I, I mean, I wouldn't have even known. Like, I, I thought you you were fantastic the whole way through. So th- yeah, thank you so much for that. And uh, the kind words there. And yeah, again, thank you for coming on the show.
1: Yeah. Um, any, any time. And yeah, I'm, I'm if, glad that, yeah, Matt put us together and set this up. Yeah.
0: If, uh, if people listening today want to catch up with you, see what you're up to, learn more about what chaos theory is up to or what you specifically are up to, where would they be best to go?
1: Yeah. So a couple of places, maybe probably Twitter is the place that I'm trying to be most active and, Failing and succeeding to various degrees. So it's um, at DLL, 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 DLL. The best. Yeah, so maybe I'm not succeeding at picking handles. Um, that's where you can follow me then. Um, otherwise, other stuff I'm up to is unsurprisingly. I care about education. I care about you know young people and things like this. I care about games. Um, another thing I care about is Sydney. I was living up in Brisbane. I've, been, I've lived in a few places in Australia. Sydney-born. Um, And that's kind of always been, I don't know, I like Sydney. It's kind of part of my DNA. Um, One thing, talking about the collapse of the industry 10 years back in rah, 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 um, there are not a lot of opportunities still around, especially for entry-level developers. Um, But there are so many um, excited young people who are going through uh, student programs like AIE and, um, you know, now a bunch of universities will have game design courses and game development courses. So, kind of some of the stuff I try to do on the side is um, try and bridge that gap a little bit between the opportunities that are there and even the um, skills and like job readiness that sometimes lacking a little bit. So, I'm trying to build, we'll see how it goes, we'll see how well I succeed, trying to build a community calling it Games with Wings. So, if there is anyone out there who is an aspiring young developer, I don't care where you are, like if you want help and you want mentorship and you want to be in a... Right now, it's not. It's very little more than a Discord. We were having some great um, um, in-person meetups until certain things stopped that from yeah, happening. But if you're looking for an environment where people are going to be supportive and help you, and I don't care whether you are trying to make your first game or trying to release your first game or trying to figure out how the hell you get started making a game, um, Games with Wings is a place for people like you. Um, whether you're in Sydney or not uh, you know, feel free to track that down um, poke your head and say hello
0: no awesome thank you for sharing that one out um, I know there's lots of people who, are, who listen to the show that are looking to get into game dev in various capacities and, and I'm sure that's going to be really valuable resources so thank you so much for sharing that and again thank you so much for sharing your time and your story today yeah I'm more than happy to and listeners as always thank you much for listening we'll see you next time That concludes this entry of Dev Diary. Be sure to subscribe to this feed, share it with your friends and give us a five-star review to help boost the show up the charts for greater exposure. If you have any people you'd like me to reach out to in interview, then please find me at Paul James Games on Twitter to help me get in touch with them. Until our next episode, however, that's been Dean's story. Thank you much for listening and I'll see you next time.